Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com. Welcome to the Florida Roundup, and thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. Well, questions are growing, and there are calls for an investigation after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis this week claimed credit for flying two plane loads of migrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. The incident became news on the first day of Hispanic Heritage Month. The flights originated in San Antonio, Texas, and stopped in Florida on their way to New England, Migrants were being cared for by the island's residents and today news that they've been moved to Joint Base Cape Cod. Now some of this group of mostly Venezuelan migrants fleeing a dictatorship in their home country has told reporters they were duped about their destination and lured on to the flights with false promises about shelter and work permits. WBUR's Simon Rios reports from Edgartown, Massachusetts. They said they arrived in the U.S. by land from Venezuela after a perilous three-month journey. After applying for asylum, they were released in San Antonio, Texas. That's where they say a woman who identified herself as just Bella offered to help. She told us, who wants to come? We're going to give you a free plane ride and bring you to a sanctuary district. She used us. She said we were going to have a place to live, we'd get money and food, and even English classes. Now, in taking credit for the flights, DeSantis joins Republican governors from Texas and Arizona in sending migrants north. The governors have sought to, in their words, highlight the two parties' differences on immigration policy and shift the burden of caring for these migrants to democratic areas. Amid mounting criticism of the move this week, the governor is defending his decision. We take what's happening at the southern border very seriously, unlike some and unlike the president of the United States who has refused to lift a finger to secure that border. Well, DeSantis' opponent, Democratic Congressman Charlie Crist, says the Department of Justice needs to investigate what he calls a politically motivated and inhumane stunt. Should the Department of Justice look into it? I said, absolutely, of course. This is an inhumane injustice that's being done to human beings. I mean, is this a way to treat our fellow man and women? Of course not. Details of how the flights were arranged and paid for are still emerging, as well as an explanation as to why Florida was moving migrants from Texas to begin with. The Florida legislation has appropriated $12 million to transport migrants from this state to other locations. We begin the hour here on the Florida Roundup with a closer look as we welcome Jim Rossica, editor at City and State Florida. Hey, Jim. Hi, how are you? Good to have you. And give us a call as we talk about this story from wherever you live in Florida, every corner of the state. We're live. Call us 305-995-1800 or tweet the show at Florida Roundup. So, Jim, we're hearing this morning that the migrants have been moved off Martha's Vineyard and are being cared for nearby at Joint Base Cape Cod. What else have we learned today? I think you probably know what I know. I saw um, my friend, uh, Samantha Gross, uh, formerly of the Miami Herald, now with the Boston Globe, actually went over to Martha's Vineyard um, last night, actually, and she's now uh, reporting from the Steamship Authority, uh, saying that migrants are being taken off VTA buses and put on a Yankee charter bus and being put onto a ferry towards Woods Hole, uh, which is about 20 miles away from the joint base at Buzzards Bay. Um, so we kind of know where they were, we know where they're going. Um, you know, there's the human question of what what now? In other words, what's going to eventually become of these people? Um, that's a great question I don't know the answer to. It was uh, notable that the residents of the island martha's vineyard immediately leaped into action to care for these plane loads of uh, folks mostly coming from venezuela Uh, the governor had indicated uh, that 
basically that blue states should get a taste of the medicine uh, that border states are getting when it comes to dealing with this influx of population. Um, What about reports of the flight's path? It originated in San Antonio, Texas, and then stopped briefly in Florida before eventually going on to Massachusetts. What is the connection to Florida, and why is the governor taking credit for this? Well, so there's what we know and there's and what we don't know, what we think we know. I think we know that uh, the, there, were, there were two flights that originated in Texas. They touched dirt in Florida. If I'm remembering correctly, one went and did another stop in North Carolina. The other did another stop in South Carolina. Both wound up in uh, Martha's Vineyard. Why is that? Well, in order for DeSantis to, I suppose you could say, take credit, I think that's a fair way of putting it, um, he had to be able to say that these migrants, quote unquote, came from Florida, um, which, you know, on that leg of the journey, they, they certainly did. That also allowed him to tap into money that the state got from the coronavirus state fiscal recovery fund. Pardon me, that's a mouthful. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, the interest that's earned on that uh, that there is a program in proviso language in the previous year's budget. That that money, if it's not used, rolls rolls over into this year's um, budget. Uh, that li- literally says in in black and white for implementing a program to facilitate the transport of unauthorized aliens from this state, consistent with federal law. Now everyone's arguing over, you know, is is it consistent with federal law? I read Twitter as much as you do. I'm seeing the accusations of kidnapping. I'm seeing the accusations of, you know, isn't this human trafficking? Uh, I I don't know the answers to all that. And probably a smart immigration lawyer can take a crack at it. But certainly that's what is allowing DeSantis to uh, get involved with this. Democrats have been quick to jump on this. Uh, Nikki Freed, uh, Agriculture Commissioner in Florida, says she's called for the feds to investigate this incident as a crime even alleging human trafficking. Uh, how much of that is partisan rhetoric and how much is a potentially legitimate, legitimate concern? Uh, I think about... you need to understand. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think you need to understand, Melissa, this is all politics right now. I, it is, it is, I'm going to get in trouble for this and I understand that, but it's, 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 it's mainly, I shouldn't say all, it's mainly politics under the guise of, of policy. Obviously this whole issue of, uh, illegal immigration or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the right calls it illegal immigration is very popular with that base. Um, this is a classic red meat culture war issue. Um, and obviously we've been, we've been seeing now for months, uh, uh, governors of red States sending, uh, people who have come illegally across the border, Northern to what they're calling sanctuary States. Um, being mindful in Florida, we have a general election, including a, a race for uh, a selection for governor coming coming up in November. Um, we have a uh, incumbent governor who, even though he denies it, is widely expected to be interested, uh, if not in 2024, at some point later in the White House. Um, and this is all laying a very good groundwork with potential voters uh, to uh, to remember him. It's my understanding that the governor uh, even had a videographer or someone from the governor's staff had a videographer on board to document these flights. Is that is that right? I have read that. And again, that's that's something I know from the reporting. I don't have any independent knowledge of that. I will say that um, as an addendum to uh, some of the information you said previously, I seen out this morning that uh, former Governor Christ, now candidate Christ, has filed a public records request with the DeSantis administration for all of the records involved in uh, transporting these people to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, I would wish uh, Mr. Christ luck in getting any kind of expedient reply to that public public records request. I think it is good that he does it. I think um, we should all in the news media, in the state news media, be, be doing it. Um, uh, because it is information that we're entitled to and is, is no doubt um, uh, there's going to be some kind of paper trail somewhere that's going to be very interesting. It's just a matter of how much we get and, and how expediently we get it. Lots of calls and tweets coming in. We're talking about Governor DeSantis claiming credit for flying 
two plane loads of migrants to Martha's Vineyard to draw attention to the situation at the U.S. southern border. The number is 305-995-1800. That's 305-995-1800. Your thoughts on this? You can also send us a tweet at the Florida Roundup. And we have uh, Maria on the line. Uh, Maria from Miami, you're on the air. What do you have to say about this? I'm, so, I'm sorry, uh, Gloria. My apologies. Gloria, Shelters. go ahead. Yes, thank you. I was just disheartened to see how immigration is being weaponized by folks like Governor DeSantis, who obviously is acting in bad faith when he takes them out of shelters while they're awaiting their asylum case, but promises of jobs and housing in another state that he can't possibly promise. And he's doing that with my tax dollars. You know, I think people of goodwill can disagree on the causes of immigration, but a majority of Americans clearly want both parties to work together in reforming the immigration system. As a business owner, I'm struggling to maintain my businesses with employees. I want my mm -hmm. governor to solve that problem. Thank you. Gloria, thanks so much for your call and thanks for your thoughts. Uh, Jim, what about that, this notion that there are things that, whether it's Governor DeSantis, whether it's people from both parties, could be doing to try and address the needs of, of migrants and some of the very real challenges? Well, I mean, certainly we know that uh, this is a problem, that this is a human problem. There are specific human beings that this involves. And again, I stress that because we don't want to lose sight of that. There, there, there are people on the ground in Massachusetts, somewhere in Massachusetts at this point, who are far from home. Um, they may be separated from other family members. Uh, they do not speak English uh, for, for the most part, as, as again, as the reporting tells us. Um, I don't know what access they have to you know, funds or, or uh, their belongings. Obviously we've seen the video of uh, people uh, preparing meals and bringing those to um, those folks uh, when they were staying in the church in Edgartown. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's again, uh, an open question. And I, I, as I said before, um, you know, there's, there's the, there's the policy question and the politics question of, you know, where did they come from? How did they get there? How did you know, how did the, the governor and his folks find them? How was this, how were these flights arranged? Uh, who knew about them? What's this about a videographer? Um, but again, there's the question of, you, you know, you have what we're told are 50 people mm -hmm. in Massachusetts uh, who, you know, technically speaking, legally speaking, aren't supposed to be there. Um, and what, what, are, what are we to do? What are, what are they to do? Um, and, and I, I I don't have the answer for that, and I'm and I'm uh, ashamed as a as a fellow human that I don't. I feel very uh, bad for them. I, I feel bad for this situation, but um, you know we just have to keep watching to see what what you know what greater minds with deeper deeper pockets uh, are able to come up with in terms of a solution for this particular situation, um, mm -hmm. as well as the ongoing situation of of how to make the, the situation better at the southern border. Right. We're talking about immigration. We're with Jim Rossiker, editor at City and State Florida. You're listening to the Florida Roundup, and you can join us as well. Join the conversation. The number is 305-995-1800. You can also send us a tweet at Florida Roundup. Uh, let's hear from Mario in Orlando. Uh, Mario, go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's a very quick statement and question at the same time. Governor Santos actually fascinates me. Here's an individual who, he's an attorney, who went to J, uh, Yale, went to Harvard, graduated from a military academy, came out as an officer, yet he makes blunder after blunder after blunder. He, he visually has, he, he visually has built, bullied children. He argued with one of the largest, two of the largest employers in, in the state, uh, the, the cruise industry and Disney. Uh, and, and he's taken tax dollars away for just for mm. for reasons just to promote himself. And now he's he's making this unconsciousable move again just to promote himself. So so the question is, how is it possible that anyone? I'm I'm, I'm a born and raised Floridian. 
He mm-hmm. is, he's an embarrassment. How is it possible that anybody in Florida would want this individual to represent us in any which way, shape, or form? He, he's an embarrassment. He's the worst governor. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 65 years old. I've been through a lot of governors. He's absolutely, unquestionably the worst governor we have, we have had since I can remember. Uh, Mario, thank you so much for calling in and, and weighing in. Jim, obviously some very strong emotions evoked by this particular action and by Governor DeSantis in general, but does it depend on who you're talking to in the audience? I mean, one person Matthew, it may ab- see it, it as absolutely a does. Let, let me jump mm-hmm. right on with that. That, that, sure. that. I understand this gentleman is very upset, and I understand the gentleman comes from a particular viewpoint. You can characterize what the governor does as, quote, blunder after blunder. Um, certainly there is another way to look at it, which is very clever politics. He is generating by this one act alone a, a almost unimaginable amount of free media. We are sitting here talking about it. Um, the Boston Globe is sending reporters on, on boats to Martha's Vineyard to report on it. Um, national news media is seized upon this, as are most of the major um, uh, statewide news outlets here in the state. Um, uh, again, it, 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 it may not be right. You may not like it. Um, but from a, dare I say, uh, you know, almost craven re- viewpoint, um, this is very smart politics for a, a governor who uh, wants to be seen as uh, America's governor, which he is to a large degree. Um, and it tracks with what he says his personal beliefs are, and I have no reason to believe him, um, in which uh, this is you know, one of the major planks uh, of Trumpism, which he is obviously a, a major benefactor of. It is, it is Mr. Trump's uh, endorsement that almost uh, entirely uh, got him the Republican nomination uh, to be where he is today. Um, and, you know, this is just the way that he's choosing to deal with the, you know, the immigration issue um, that many folks on the right side of the political spectrum are, are so consumed with. Now, again, you can question uh, the whole process of getting involved with migrants who came into the country illegally who were in Texas somehow getting them onto a plane, planes, flying them to Florida, then flying them to other points south, and then flying them to Martha's Vineyard. And obviously that 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 location was chosen for its optics. And, um, and, and Jim Rosica, what, so what about what a, hmm. what about the, the these accounts too of some of these migrants saying they were lured onto the planes by someone that at least appeared to be affiliated with the state of Florida? under false pretenses. I think that too is worthy of more examination. Lots of tweets. Deborah tweets the show, this is a despicable act and I don't want my tax money used for a political stunt. Jules tweets the show, at least the governor took responsibility for the flights and did it in broad daylight. The feds have moved hundreds of migrants secretly, she says. One more tweet, this looks like kidnapping or human trafficking. And advocacy groups have denounced the governor, uh, along with the the Florida American Business Immigration Coalition, calling this morally repulsive that this has happened on the first day of Hispanic Heritage Month. You know, as we talk about this, I noticed what you said, Jim, that uh, you you noted that uh, this is changing the narrative to immigration at a time when abortion had been a big part of our politics. Uh, Let's talk more about that after the break. If you're just tuning in, we want your calls. 305-995-1800. More to come here on the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. The Jacksonville Quilt Fest features 400 finely handcrafted quilts that will be on display from Thursday, September 15th through Saturday the 17th at the Prime Osborne Center. More information is at quiltfestjacks.com. The law offices of Phillips and Hunt proudly support WJCT, personal injury, criminal defense, and family law. Phillips and Hunt, committed to justice. 904-444-4444 or floridajustice.com. Today in music history from Anthology on 89.9 HD3, September 16, 1925, bluesman B.B. King is born Riley B. King. 
near Burklair, Mississippi. Today in Music History, sponsored by Grassroots Natural Market in Five Points. Family owned since 2006 and featuring organic produce, supplements, and all the groceries on your list. Taxes, the environment, energy, education, health care. A state that's gaining nearly a thousand new residents every day and the ongoing quest for resources to meet that growing need. These are critical issues that affect everyone in Florida, and they're just some of the issues we follow every week on Capital Report. It's your direct connection to what's going on in Tallahassee and what it means to you. Tonight at 6.30 on WJCT News 89.9. Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Florida family-owned and operated since 1936, and a proud supporter of public radio. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, always be celebrating. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. And I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. And we are continuing the conversation now about immigration across Florida, live at this hour with Jim Rosica of City and State Florida and your calls and tweets. 305-995-1800. Mark in Orlando. Hey, Mark, go ahead. You're on the radio. Oh, yes. I just, I want to know that, you know, if you go back about three, four months ago, they were, uh, they were, Particularly uh, shipping, uh, using airplanes to fly the immigrants from Texas to Jacksonville and Orlando and then busting them. And it didn't make mainstream media because it was local news we found out about it. How is that any less inhumane to have it be in Texas or Florida than it is in Chicago and D.C., now in Martha's Vineyard? How is that any less humane? And last night I also heard an uh, interview from one of those people that got off the airplane, and they said that they had got on voluntarily. So how can that be considered uh, human trafficking when they get on voluntarily. They might have been misled, but is it fair for Texas to have the burden of of the infrastructure of uh, 2 million illegal immigrants because of a Biden administration not uh, abiding by a federal law? Anyway, that's my question. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Jim Rosica, let's talk about the substance of this argument Republicans are making. They're trying to use these stunts to... Uh, in effect, give people in blue states, northern blue metros primarily, a taste of what they say people uh, along the border, particularly in Texas, are dealing with when it comes to an influx of migrants. I'd like you to, if you could, uh, respond to what Mark had to say and also about what he said about some of the other migrant flights that we learned about earlier this year. Well, Melissa, maybe I'll take this out of order. Uh, you know, first of all, the gentleman makes the observation that um, while these people may have been misled, um, that that they did kind of get on these planes. Not kind of. They did. They did. As, as far as we're aware, they did get on these planes voluntarily. Um, I, I think there is a, a worthwhile uh, question to to be had about the. Um, and you know, I, I'm I'm looking at this through through my own lens, and I understand that. But I think there's a a question to be had about um, the lack of skepticism of these individuals who were being promised this, that, and the other thing by a complete stranger, and nonetheless chose to get on not in not in a not in a van, not in a bus, but on an airplane to go to you know. Some of them said they knew they were going to Boston. I think at least one other person said. He didn't know where he was going, um, but they all, you know, got on the plane for, uh, you know, the, the promise of of something better. And you can say, well, maybe it was so bad from where they came from that they were just willing to take, you know, a complete and total chance. And 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 I get that. So uh, but but I, I think there's there's it's, it's a fair question to ask about, you know, the the the, the lack of skepticism and the willingness to, to get on these planes. I, I don't know that anybody was. Um, coerced maybe they were misled um and you know i'm still fascinated by the whole question of who this person perla was and where she came from um but obviously there look there is no uh, i am not trying to downplay the plight of americans who live near the border uh and you know have to see 
uh, large groups of migrants led by a coyote coming across the border um, that in, in many places is as porous as the backyard between my, uh, the, the fence between my backyard and the creek behind it. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people who are concerned about immigration, the, the immigration issue in this country, are, are legitimately concerned. You know, as a follow-up to that, we heard from a caller a minute ago saying she's having trouble hiring people to staff her business. Uh, business owners uh, would like to see this never-ending political debate and crisis solved. We need more legal immigration. Uh, there are a lot of jobs going unfilled. And, you know, I, I think that that is something that people on both sides of this issue can perhaps agree on. Uh, comprehensive immigration reform is desperately needed. And yet as a country, our politics are such that we've as yet we've been unable to solve this problem. Do we need immigration? Uh, well, I hate the word reform. Do we need some kind of immigration overhaul? Sure, absolutely. Will we ever get one that's legitimate and actually works? Well, we haven't gotten it so far. Um, as far as the, the point, and maybe I misheard, but you know, there are some business owners who are so desperate to fill positions that they, you know, wish for more illegal, illegal immigration. I, I that, or that, that legal seems like an odd you know, thing like for me, processing but, processing people legally if that can be accomplished. Um, and the question is, I, I don't know that it, it, it can be accomplished any more expeditiously than it already is, which would explain yeah. the, the, the mass numbers. Um, you know, you see it on Fox News all the time. These uh, reporters who go down to the, the border and essentially lie in wait and, and wait for this, you know, group of people en masse, you know, wading through a river and then climbing fences uh, to get into the country. Um, you know, obviously because it's so bad where they are that they would rather take the chance of essentially walking through a desert, walking, you know, wading or, or swimming through a river, climbing a fence where there is one to get into this country. Uh, and let's not forget that either. Lots of calls and tweets. Here's just one from Josh. I do not call this compassionate conservatism. A listener says this is a horrible stunt involving real people, and it looks to be illegal. Not sure it will play well with our Venezuelan community. They fled a horrible government and massive stagflation. We need compassion, not ridicule. But what about that, Jim? These migrants fleeing Venezuela, for the most part, fleeing a socialist dictator. Uh, and there is a, a sizable Venezuelan community in Florida that has denounced this move. Sure. And, and again, I don't know, uh, based on what I've read or, or, you know, what there's what I've read and what I've not read and there's, there's what we know and what we don't know. Um, I don't know offhand how many of these migrants, as we keep calling them, were are asylum seekers uh, and how many are not. Um, certainly those who are seeking asylum, there, there is a process in place for them to press their case um, and asylum is granted or it isn't. Um, I don't I don't know what the rates are for, you know, granting of asylum versus the turning down of asylum uh, in the system. I would assume it's it's so overwhelmed that it's uh, it's it's at least a long wait to get your case heard. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know all the reasons that all of these people uh, attempted to leave their country and come into the United States. Uh, and again, that will that will also be something that um, you know, future and more reporting needs to bear out. And I hope will. Thanks so much for joining us, Jim Rosica of City and State, Florida. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks again. Well, a new report out this week says hate in the Sunshine State is on the rise. The Anti-Defamation League has released new data showing a significant increase in extremist-related incidents both nationwide and in the state of Florida. The ADL says these incidents have been driven at least in part by widespread disinformation and conspiracy theories which are animating extremists and fueling anti-Semitism. For more on this, we welcome Claire Goforth, who writes about extremism at The Daily Dot. Uh, Claire, thanks so much for joining us. And, and you can unmute yourself, to... Claire. <laughs> unmute, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. 
I'm so sorry yeah, about that. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me. Well, the uh, Anti-Defamation League has published its report, Hate in the Sunshine State, highlighting anti-Semitic and extremist activities in Florida since 2020. The ADL says there's been an alarming rise in such incidents in that time. How does that track with your reporting? That tracks right along with the reporting that I do with The Daily Dot. We track misinformation and extremism, which you often see overlapping. And I find disproportionately when I am reporting on an individual or a hate group, I find significant connections to Florida where they live in Florida. There are several hate groups that consider Florida their home base, such as the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and then various other branches of hate groups that exist in the state of Florida, ranging from neo-Nazis to um, just basic racist hate groups. Mm -hmm. I should say, too, you are listening to the Florida Roundup. You can join the conversation as well. We want to hear from you. We're talking about hate and extremism in Florida. 305-995-1800 is the number. You can send us a tweet as well, at Florida Roundup. Um, Claire, you mentioned some of those groups there. What about the incidents? Like, What are we seeing in terms of where those groups pop up, what they're doing? Well, I mean, we really do see them all over the state. Uh, recently in Sarasota, a Proud Boy signed up to be a poll watcher, which some people noted with alarm. We saw at an event in uh, Tallahassee, there were members of a neo-Nazi group that showed up to um, uh, demonstrate. It was outside a Turning Point USA summit. We also see these groups getting increasingly involved in politics at the local level. Uh, mm -hmm. There are various branches of what people would consider legitimate organizations in Florida that have very close ties to some of these groups. And while in our recent uh, primaries, there was a lot of um, extremists were rejected on the ballot, on the lower level ballots, on the school board races, we saw people who attended the Capitol riot and others who had links to uh, hate groups get elected. Um, I believe it was just a couple of weeks ago, the ADL published uh, an article about Oath Keepers, uh, who mm -hmm. are a hate group and uh, Florida-based one with uh, ties to law enforcement and um, government in the state of Florida. And according to the, their research, uh, there are uh, 20 people in the state of Florida who are either police, elected officials, in the military, or first responders. And while that does seem like a relatively low number, what we know is that this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the data that the ADL is working with is uh, roughly a year dated. And those are just the individuals who were um, easily identifiable in that data. I have seen the data myself, and some people you just don't know who they really are. Um, so when you say that there are 20 individuals who we are fairly certain are in these positions of power in the state, what in reality, the number is far higher and we don't really have a firm handle on that. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the Oath Keepers and that's a, the name of a group that's come up in connection with the January 6th uh, insurrection. And another point that the ADL uh, makes in its report hate in the sunshine state is that Florida is really has really been a hotbed or really a, a concentration of uh, people who are involved or charged at least in the January 6th uprising uh, locate in Florida so there's that sort of seam running through the story as well yes absolutely according to the recent report which I recommend anyone read even just the summary of because it really gives an excellent picture of extremism in Florida and in the United States 10% of the people, of the 855 people who have been charged from the January 6th uh, insurrection are from Florida. And mm -hmm. we know that a very significantly large, larger number than that uh, did attend the Capitol riot. And you know what, the question that a lot of people have is why? Why Florida? What is about Florida that is so attractive to extremists and also what is radicalizing people in the state of Florida? And from my research at The Daily Dot, what I see is a mix of people who are radicalized, who are you know, homegrown terrorists who 
um, fall into league with these hate groups through a combination of misinformation and people preying on their insecurities. And also Florida is something of a magnet for people who are involved in stream extremist groups. Extremists perceive Florida as a place that is very welcoming for them. And so we have seen numerous numbers of people who relocate here uh, based on the perception that it's going to be a hospitable environment for them uh, as an extremist. You're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. We're talking with Claire Goforth. She's a writer, a reporter at The Daily Dot covering extremism in the Sunshine State. Um, Claire, talk to us a little bit about your reporting on the election software vendor used by the state of Florida, a man named Stephen Clay McGeehy. Uh, what's his connection to extremism and what are Florida officials saying about him? So Florida officials who I've t contacted have been rather rather silent about their connections to Stephen McGehee, who runs a company called Adjutant so uh, Workshop. That company provides campaign finance software that campaigns and PACs use to report their expenditures and their contributions to the state. That uh, company was founded in 1996 and it is among the largest uh, companies who provide such software in the state of Florida. Now, per my findings, Mr. McGehee, which he did not deny, he has been running white supremacist websites uh, since at least 2007. And he also has a verified Gab account on which he expresses overtly racist, anti-Semitic and misogynistic views. He follows and reboots neo-Nazi content uh, Mr. McGehee did not respond directly to my questions, but he did post a screenshot of them. And he said that he can't possibly be an extremist for reasons that really just wouldn't pass muster for anyone with just a casual, uh, casual knowledge of this. Um, you know, but the thing with Mr. McGehee and adjutant work workshop, I did reach out to Secretary of State Cordberg because he is someone who has used that software. And as Secretary of State, he is the chief official, election official in the state of Florida. So I felt that it was fair to ask, you know, did you know about this? And he says that he did not know. Now, that could very well be true. And I did see in the data of people who have been using this company over the years, there are people on both sides of the aisle and PACs were representing a wide variety of interests that you would mm -hmm. characterize as liberal, both liberal and conservative. Although the campaigns that use his software do skew a little bit more Republican. My understanding is that many of them may not have been aware of Mr. McGahee's views, although it is very easy to find them. Um, but some of them certainly were. Florida is a big state, but when you get mm -hmm. into these top level um, uh, of politics, it's kind of a small town, just like any other industry. People know one another, people know one another's views. And this is an individual who proudly flies a Confederate flag outside of his house year round, and mm -hmm. who has very, you know, donated to various um, extremist groups, and just really made absolutely no attempt to hide his extremism, which really begs mm -hmm. the question of why people in politics, knowing full well that they could be held accountable for the views of the people they associate with, would be willing to use his company all this time. Claire, go forth with The Daily Dot. Thank you so much for joining us. And you are listening to The Florida Roundup, back with more on climate change. In Inflation, consumer at wholesale, oh my. Retail sales, the markets, the five days gone by. That's all next time on Marketplace. I'm Guy. Tonight at six here on WJCT News 89.9. The head of the United Nations has called this a time of great peril. One current worry, the fighting around the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. I don't think there is much progress. This is the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe, and you're saying you don't see signs of progress in securing it. Yes. More from the UN Secretary General this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Starting at 4 on WJCT News 89.9. 
on the next Fresh Air, Matthew McFadden. He won an Emmy Monday as Best Supporting Actor for his performance in the HBO series Succession. He plays Tom Wamsgans. Many Americans also know him for his performance as Mr. Darcy in the 2005 film Pride and Prejudice. Join us today at 1 on WJCT News 89.9. Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can visit 125 stores throughout Florida or shop online at abcfws.com. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. As intense heat becomes more common around the world, the potential threat to biodiversity increases. One species at particular risk to a warming climate is found on the beaches of Florida. The Sunshine State loves its sea turtles. In fact, we've got the largest population of loggerhead sea turtle nests in the world. Thousands of the marine reptiles lay their eggs across Florida's beaches each year. Scientists then study and tag these endangered and threatened species to help protect their future. That's right, Matthew. But the biggest threat right now to the sea turtles is coastal development and beachfront lighting. That disorients the little baby turtles, causing them to wander inland. But scientists say another fast-developing risk to this much-loved species is, yes, our warming planet. That's because the sex of sea turtles is determined by the temperature in which their eggs incubate. This is fascinating stuff, and it's yet another warning about climate change. For more about sea turtles and our warming planet Earth, I spoke with reporter Kathy Carter of WUSF. Kathy Carter, good to be with you. So let's talk about sea turtles. They're a much beloved species across Florida. But as you're finding, uh, intense heat is threatening this species. What are you finding with your research? Well, I talked to a, a few researchers, uh, Melissa, both on the east coast of Florida in Boca Raton um, and in Sarasota as well, that uh, a majority of the sea turtles, which you said everybody loves, are actually female, uh, and that is because of rising temperatures. As you may know, uh, our summers have been getting hotter in the past you know, several years, and uh, the, the sex of sea turtles is actually determined uh, by the temperature in which their eggs incubate. So if we have a warmer climate, that means that we're getting more females. They, they like to say... Uh, it means hot chicks and cool dudes. That's the temperature <laughs> of the sand. So, yeah, so we are seeing more females, apparently. So if the vast majority of the turtle hatchlings are female, that's not good for the health of the species overall? Obviously, that's problematic? It is problematic, although it is not something that uh, researchers are saying is an imminent threat because there are still lots of male sea turtles, unlike female sea turtles, who um, come to the same beaches and nest every year. Male sea turtles stay in the ocean, and there's enough of them to go around right now, um, so it won't be a problem. But yeah, if we are talking long term, if we're getting more females, uh, that is going to be an issue. But the biggest issue is if temperatures keep rising and keep rising, then you'll see the death of all sea turtles because eggs can't incubate at a certain temperature. So if that goes above that threshold, that's going to be a problem. That to me is the, the larger point of your story, that climate change, intense heat is a real risk to our planet's biodiversity. Here in Florida, we're going to see this not, not just with sea turtles, but with other plants and other animal life. It's a threat to everything in our natural world in one way or another. Yeah, it's it's all connected, isn't it? Yes, climate change makes a big difference in so many species of our plants and, and our wildlife, and certainly our iconic sea turtles, which, you know, as we mentioned, is is determined by, by their, the temperature of the eggs. And other species as well, like reptiles and crocodiles, uh, also produce their offspring this way as well with uh, temperatures in which eggs incubate. Now, 
Let's talk about how all over the state people are trying to protect this species during the sea turtle nesting season, especially you'll see people out on the beaches uh, looking for turtle tracks from the mother turtles coming ashore to lay their eggs. We've got, the, as you report, the largest concentration of loggerhead sea turtle nesting anywhere in the world. People get really excited when they lay their eggs each year. In Jacksonville Beach, in my neck of the woods, my part of the state, there's this whole campaign called Clean Dark Flat to keep the lights off, keep the beaches clean, keep the sand flat, all the kinds of conditions that will help more of these creatures survive. So, you know, all over the state of Florida, I think there's so much love for for sea turtles and so much work that goes into helping them along, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Like you said, you know, you have a group up in Jacksonville. There's groups all over uh, the state that are really looking out for this, this, this species. But, you know, you mentioned it just now. The biggest threat to sea turtles right now isn't climate change. That is, a, that is a definite concern. But the immediate threat right now is coastal development and the beachfront lighting um, because baby turtles are, are conditioned to go to the ocean by the light of the moon. And they get really confused when there are condos on the beach and everybody's lights are on and the TV is on. No, that that is distracting the baby turtles on the beach. So if you want to help out uh, sea turtles right now, and if you have lucky enough to have property, you know, on the beach, on the oceanfront, you should really think about, you know, the lighting. Pull down those shades, and, and, and there are groups all across Florida that are letting businesses know, the hotels and such as well, to, to really be cognizant of lighting on the beach. And you're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. As we continue the conversation with Kathy Carter of WUSF Public Media, it turns out as the earth heats up, male sea turtle hatchlings could become more rare, which means this species will be threatened by a warming climate. Let's talk a little bit more about this. The last four Florida summers have been the hottest on record, and that means the sand gets warmer. Haven't they figured out that there's a specific temperature in the sand that will guarantee uh, either a male or a female sea turtle baby? They've really been able to do the research that precisely, which is fascinating, Kathy. Yep, you you are right, Melissa. The uh, the incubation temperature for uh, male sea turtles is. 81.8 degrees or lower. If the sand is 81.8 degrees Fahrenheit or lower, it will 100% come out a male, and those 88.8 degrees Fahrenheit or higher will always be female, and then anything in between that range will produce a mix of offspring. So as you said, hotter summers means hotter sand. And they found this works with other animals too, this temperature-dependent sex determination, crocodiles, lizards, This isn't new research, but I guess what's new is realizing the ramifications of of hotter temperatures overall. Is that right? That's right. They they first saw um, some of the um, ramifications of this in Australia. There was a a 2018 study that scientists uh, were able to find out that pretty much 99% of the green sea turtles that hatched uh, in the warmer northern Great Barrier Reef were female. And now that we're seeing temperatures uh, rising summer after summer, it's become a bigger awareness of how the temperature and warmer climate affects these species that are, you know, are determined by uh, their sex is determined not by sex chromosomes, but the temperatures in which, you know, their eggs are are incubated. It's frustrating when we talk about climate change because so often I think people look at this as a far-off problem, even though it's not. Has that uh, been challenging for you? Because as your reporting shows, it could be a long time before we see the true effect of hotter temperatures on this population and others. The warning signs are there now, but because disaster hasn't struck yet, a lot of people just kind of brush it aside. Yeah, and, you know, it's um, another fun fact about sea turtles is that they, they don't even reach sexual maturity until 25, 30 years. So it really could be decades before 
we really fully understand the ramifications of the hotter temperatures on the sea turtle populations. But, you know, researchers are, are trying to get on top of it now. They're really looking at different ways that they can um, help with this by maybe we should have some, uh, you know, off-site places where sea turtles uh can have hatcheries. They're doing that in Australia now. Uh, in Sarasota County, where I reported, they're placing temperature gauges in the uh, in the nest so they can see is it is it just the heat? Does does precipitation play a part as well in in making the the sand a certain temperature? But yeah, it, it is very frustrating for everyone involved. Everyone is you know really concerned because everyone loves sea turtles. They're iconic. Yeah, and I didn't realize this till I read your piece. They've even outlived the dinosaurs. <laughs> so they're probably going to outlive climate change uh, damage one way or another, we hope anyway. Well, that was one of the things that uh, one of the scientists um, at Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton uh, mentioned. Um, she's been monitoring the same beach in Boca for, for about 10 years now. And they were happy to... Uh, learned that in 2018, a loggerhead nest uh, successfully hatched in Delaware, north of Florida. And actually, just this summer, there is now a loggerhead nest in uh, New Jersey. So they are capable Mm. of an evolutionary response, but we want to keep them in Florida. (laughs) That's right. Great to talk with you. So fascinating. Kathy Carter, reporter with WUSF. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Matthew, as she said, if you live on the coast, turn those lights off at night, right? Yeah, a lot of them do have actually those uh, red light uh, instructions or lighting ordinances so you don't confuse those poor little critters as they're trying to lay their eggs and uh, get the next generation up and running. And thanks for listening, everyone. That's our show today. The Florida Roundup produced by WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville and WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz and Natu Chaway are the producers. Catherine Hobbs is associate producer. WLRN's vice president of radio and our technical director is Peter Mertz. Engineering help from Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels, and Isabella Da Silva. Richard Ives answers the phone. Our theme music is provided by Miami jazz guitarist Aaron Lebos at AaronLebos.com. I'm Matthew Petty. And I'm Melissa Ross. We'll be back next Friday at noon. Have a great weekend, everybody. Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com.